Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad so many of you are enjoying it. Vandermeer's View. I just don't like saying my own name in a context of a brand thing like that, but what the heck? Wait a minute. What am I saying? I'm the one with Vanderkid, Vander this, Vander that, so I guess I should just stick with it. Anyway, let's do this. Bob Wischusen is the voice of the Jets. We're going to talk with him, not just about the Jets, but he does ESPN stuff, college basketball. I get into that. What would you do to change college football? And I decided to keep that kind of theme going a little bit with Andre Ware. So let's have some fun today. And it's always fun at Freddy's Frozen Custard, 12 locations with three new locations opening soon. Full Shear, Kingwood, and Porter. They might be open already. The new food truck custom designed to bring the steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard you love right to your event. Freddy's original double steak burger is a real game changer. Well, Bob Wischusen is a real pro. Let's talk to him now here on Vandermeer's View Podcast. Bob, tell me something. I know you've had some good seasons, but this is one of the more difficult ones. How do you characterize what the Jets are going through in 2018? Uh, They are dealing with a rookie quarterback, and that growth process. Uh, He was hurt for a month, so that kind of stunted the growth process. But, you know, they have $100 million of cap space available next year, and the reason it's available next year is because they didn't spend it this year. So this is still the rebuild. You know, they kind of tore it all down to the studs last year with the idea that they were going to get a quarterback. They got the quarterback, and now they need to supplement the quarterback with just better talent next year. So they're in a rebuild. Um, Whether or not the coach or even the general manager are going to be allowed to stay on and see the rebuild through remains to be seen. But I just, you know... I wasn't expecting them to win more than five or six games this year. They've got four wins so far. For their talent level, I think that's probably about right. Now, what about the game against the Buffalo Bills and the way they're playing overall, the Jets? We've seen some good games and some games that obviously needed work. What about the effort level you're seeing at this stage of the year out of the men wearing green? Well, they they needed that because three weeks ago they played the Bills at home and they lost 41-10. to to a team that couldn't score a touchdown on an empty field in previous weeks. So, you know, so much, I think, of the job that Todd Bowles has done or will be judged by this year isn't even so much wins and losses, but are they passing the eye test? Does it look like the arrow's pointing up? Is the quarterback developing? You know, are there young players playing well? And when you have an effort like that, I mean, those are the kind of games that get a coach fired. Well, the way they played, especially in the fourth quarter this past Sunday, those are the kinds of games that convince ownership that maybe the coach does have, you know, the the arrow pointing up. And, you know, this was a team that was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs going into this last weekend. So they theoretically, in terms of at least the, uh, you know, the, the postseason or any ramifications this year, have nothing to play for. And yet down by two scores in the second half, they came back on the road and won. So that definitely says something about, from an effort level standpoint, what these players still, you know, are doing in support of the coach and the coaching staff. Bob Wischusen, voice of the New York Jets, joining us on Texans Radio. Bob, what about what we're seeing from Sam Darnold this year, his development? Where is he at? Where do you think he's headed? Well, the DNA of what you need to see for a really, really good long-term starting quarterback in the NFL is all there. Um, at some point this season, whether it be throwing the deep ball, 
throwing with anticipation, going through your progressions, making a play on the move. He had a great 50-yard scramble touchdown against Buffalo this past weekend. Every one of those things that you want to see, at some point this year you've seen it. And I think that's the most important thing. So he checks every box as a guy that can play quarterback in the NFL for over a decade. Their job now is to give him better guys to play with. That, that's really what it is. Bob, the Texans coaches, the players are all raving about Jamal Adams. Tell me about him in the secondary. He's great. I mean, he is the definition of an impact player. He, he is the energizer bunny. I mean, when you, when you watch Jamal Adams play, he literally never stops. His motor is, you know, is probably the best any player in the NFL. He's just constant motion. So he is really fun to watch. He makes at least three or four impact plays a game. Give me a player or two that no one seems to be talking about nationally outside of the market that you think the Texans fans should keep their eyes on. Well, I mean, for the Jets, you hate to say it, but their place kicker is putting up, like, historic numbers. Uh, Jason Myers, who they got off the scrap heap back in training camp, wasn't even part of their training camp kicking battle, um, you know, has been, like, 95% this year. He makes everything. Um, so whatever they've needed, if it, if it comes down to needing a clutch field goal, then the Jets would probably pick their kicker over any kicker in the NFL. Um, and, and I would say the other guy that may or may not play this weekend, I'm not sure, but a guy that when he's been in the lineup is the really good, solid possession receiver is Quincy Inunua, who was a sixth-round pick out of Nebraska, kind of an afterthought, but has made himself into a really good player. Bob, historically, Joe Namath, everybody knows him, of course. Who's the second most popular Jet in New York historically other than Namath? And I guess I'm right in saying Namath has to be number one, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, if you're doing the Jets Mount Rushmore, he's George Washington. You know, he's, the, he's definitely the guy on, you know, on the masthead. Um, it's a good question. I, I probably, from a more contemporary standpoint, it would be Joe Klecko. That's what I would think. He was mm-hmm. all pro at three different positions. The only guy ever to do that on the defensive line uh, in NFL history. So I would say if there's one player that isn't in the Hall of Fame that a fan base really rallies around and believes ought to be in the Hall of Fame, it's Jets fans with Joe Klecko. Bob Wachusen joining us, voice of the New York Jets. Bob, we know you do college football. And college basketball, you're one of these guys who works pretty much around the clock at this stuff. So give me a story of the tightest connection you've ever had trying to make it to a Jet game to do the play-by-play. Wow. Uh, I had a game a few years ago in Louisville where I had to get on the last flight of the night out of Louisville in order to get to Atlanta to then connect to, I forget where the Jets were, but I know I had to get to connection out of Louisville. And Louisville was playing North Carolina, and the game went like four hours and 15 minutes. We were inside a cop car being driven to the airport. Not only were we given a police escort, thank God, but the guy actually put us in his state trooper car. (laughs) And as we pulled out of the Louisville parking lot, train track crossing bars went down, and a freight train started to go by. (laughs) And we sat in the car for a solid 10 or 15 minutes while this, like, 900 car freight train went by and uh i think we got to the airport at 7 30 for a 7 40 flight and made it ouch so, that was fun
Bob, college football, what would you do to change it, if anything? Because to me, it runs long. I might put the NFL clock in there. How do you feel about the way the game is formatted? Hey, I've been saying that for years. I think the dumbest rule in sports, in any sport, not just in college football, the most useless rule in any sport is stopping the clock after every first down in college football. That adds a half hour to the game. If you would just roll the clock after teams made a first down, now, I certainly understand that there is, with no two-minute warning, kind of a clock management element to stopping the clock after first downs. To me, either stop it after first downs inside of the last two minutes or maybe inside of the last three or four minutes even of each half. And then a team that's running a two-minute drill could utilize the, the rule then when you actually are trying to run up and run another play um, and, and save time. But, you know, when a guy catches like a 10-yard out uh, and gets tackled like, you know, nine seconds into the game for a first down and the clock stops, that's just adding to the length of the game uselessly. So, to me, that would be the number one thing I would change. And it's so hypocritical from a player safety standpoint, too. Yeah, We're told over and over again that we can't have an extra round of playoffs or we can't extend the uh, the season. Uh, any more than the players already are stretched out now in college football. You know, the CTE argument, uh, you know, these guys play so well, then reduce the number of plays that they play. You know, why have four-hour games where teams are running 100 plays in a game? The NFL games have 65, 70 plays a game on offense, and it's a great sport, and it's a great watch, and the game's over in three hours, three hours and ten minutes. Why do we need four-hour games with you know, 190 plays run between the two teams. It's ridiculous. And to me, it's completely and totally eliminated if you just roll the clock after a team picks up a first down. You're preaching to the choir on that one. I know you're doing a game at the Palestra this week, and I love that environment for college basketball. In fact, I'm so old school, I think the Atlantic 10 should never have left the Palestra in the first place for their tournament. But tell me, what's your favorite environment in college basketball? You get to see a lot of places. Uh, it's hard to beat Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. I mean, that place is just, mm-hmm. you know, Duke obviously is amazing. Cameron is everything that anybody would think it would be if they haven't been there. And there are some other great places in the Big Ten, like Wisconsin, Michigan State, Indiana. I mean, those places are all great. But uh, but Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas for a big Kansas home game is probably about as good as it gets. I'm with you on that one. I mean, the one time I was there, I couldn't even hear myself speak. It was that great. That's right. So, And that's a good thing, actually, in sports. Bob, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday at the Meadowlands. You got it, Mark. Good to talk to you. I like visiting with Bob with shoes and a total pro. Does a lot of different play-by-play stuff, as you heard. Hey, the Texans spend countless hours prepping for game day, and that's why they rely on Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones, too, to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps you do the same. Concentrate on your music, your work, or whatever you're passionate about with QC35 wireless headphones, too. Learn more at Bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. Andre Ware, the exclusive color commentator on Texans Radio, joining us now. Let's catch up with Dre. Dre, it's a weird time of year because I would imagine for you, you're doing college football every weekend, but this time of year you don't exactly slow down, but it becomes bowl season. What bowls are you doing, and and how do you approach those games versus regular season games doing what you do as an analyst? Yeah, it's uh, it's 
that kind of that time of year where you you almost get actually a little busier uh, when bowl games, especially midweek bowl games, uh, start to take place, and you get uh, assigned to a couple of those. I've got the Frisco Bowl up in uh, in Frisco, Texas, where uh, San Diego State will play Ohio, and then the very next week on a Wednesday night in Arizona, the Cheez-It, which is Cal and TCU. So those two uh, coming up in conjunction to uh, the Texans travel and, and so on and so forth. So I'll do a series of games in a, in a, in a, in a very limited, a couple, limited couple of days, so to speak. So it, uh, it takes an extra, a little bit extra concentration. What is your memory of bowl time? I know that the Heisman year, you guys couldn't go to a bowl. And by the way, side right. note here, we were talking to Bill, Bill O'Brien about this as well. You know, when he was at Penn State, they couldn't go to a bowl. And he said, why punish those kids for something they had nothing to do with? And the same could apply to your team. You guys had nothing to do with the infractions, coaching, players, everything, yet you had to suffer the brunt of the punishment. Yeah, I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I actually met the guy who uh, who put us on probation for something that happened when most of us were in fourth and fifth grade. And so we served the brunt of that uh, that that penalty by not being able to go to a bowl game that year. And, and uh, so the Heisman season in itself, the closer we got towards the end of the season, kind of became our de facto bowl game. And uh, you could tell guys were playing harder. Um, that's why it means so much to all of us, not just myself, but all of us as a team, because uh, the effort level went up. Uh, the conversation started to really uh, energize itself, and and ultimately we, uh, we 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 pulled it off. And so it was it was quite something. It had never been won by a player that was on probation, um, and uh, I don't think it'll ever be done again. So it's something kind of unique. And in the history books, that that 1989 team, we will all share in forever. I'm looking at the 88 team schedule, and I know we're just messing around here, but it's the holiday season, and we're having some fun today. This schedule, Dre, I mean, if the Cougs could play a schedule like this today, my goodness. You know, Missouri, Baylor, Aggies, Arkansas, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. I, I mean, it's loaded, and you guys had a phenomenal record. What, you only lost twice that year. Yeah, and uh, those two, we uh, we needed that season in '89. We we needed the ball maybe one more time against Arkansas. We lost 46-39. Needed one more possession in that game, and then at A and M, we had our chances. We lost 17-13. It was probably the lowest game that I was ever a part of while I was at at the University of Houston. But uh, we we uh, we put one on the ground a couple of times going in that ultimately uh, won the game at, uh, at Kyle Field for, for the Aggies. So it was, yeah, it was, we had to lace them up every single Saturday when uh, there were no off weeks, even non-conference games. We played uh, Arizona State and, uh, and teams of that, and, and, you know, of that magnitude that year. So uh, we, we, uh, we challenged ourselves, and we had a very talented football team across the board that we were willing to go play anybody anywhere. One more college football one for you as we're getting ready for the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl here December 27th with Vanderbilt and Baylor. Uh, That bowl game in 88, you play Rice on November 26th and beat them. Then you're playing in the Aloha Bowl, which is a month later. 
What is it like when there's a month between games and you have to handle that as an athlete, the coaching staff, because all these schools are going through that right now. And, of course, right. Baylor and Vanderbilt among them getting ready to play here. Well, it kind of gets you out of rhythm, Mark, because you get as a, as a player and especially as a quarterback, you, you get in a routine. And once the routine is broken, it's hard to get back in that routine. That's why you have heard me many times say I don't like bye weeks. Because when a team is playing well, uh, people say, oh, well, we need to get healthy. But it takes you out of your routine. And that 15 days of practice and nobody else, you're not seeing another uniform, that, that's tough to come back from. And then it's why I think offenses usually take a while to get going in bowl games because you haven't really played or practiced at a speed that uh, simulates what you're going to face the next week or that you faced for 12 weeks in a row or 13 weeks in a row. It's, it's a different element to it. So offenses tend to struggle a little bit. Defenses tend to dominate early in bowl games and, and so on and so forth. So I, 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 uh, I wish they would speed them up. I think that uh, with that break in between, you could squeeze in another game or so and move that sucker to six to eight teams without, uh, without any problem. Andre, it's not like or Sam. Six to, six to eight playoff teams, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. And I think you have a lot of agreement there. Um, Sam Darnold, they beat the Bills, the Jets did, last week. It's not like he lit it up, but he made plays to win the game. They came from behind to do it. What do you think the Texans are seeing here in Sam Darnold Saturday afternoon at the Meadowlands? Well, you know, you, you've got a guy that has some mobility, but not a lot. So it's not like you're. You know, you're facing the likes of an Andrew Luck. He moves similarly, but not quite as well as Andrew does. The, the, he completed a high percentage last week to, uh, to help his team pull out one against Buffalo. They put 27 points on the board. They've been able to score points with the exception of the New England game and the first game against Buffalo. They've, they've been able to put some points on the board. So it's a dangerous team in that regard, and with him as, as their leader, as a rookie starter, uh, he's had his bumps and bruises, 12 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, uh, about mid-50s in terms of completion percentage. Where you can't allow the, the Jets to get going is in the running game with a guy like Isaiah Crowell or Elijah uh, McGuire, where they give him uh, some comfort in being able to do something and take some pressure off of him. A rookie quarterback, you want to make sure that you keep all the pressure on his shoulders and at some point, he starts to feel it throughout the game. The Texans clearly didn't run the ball well against the Colts, and they've got to get back to that. I mean, that's what's really been carrying them yeah. or one of the things that's been carrying them during this streak, third in the league. What's it going to take to do better in that department? Well, I think it's a healthy uh, Zach Fulton, to be quite honest. I, you know, I, I talk a lot about uh, chemistry and especially chemistry on an offensive line, and it just kind of goes to show you just – how important one-fifth of an offensive line is. And, and with him out of the lineup, they weren't able to move and control the line of scrimmage. And uh, all of a sudden, the Colts, who were only giving up you know, a little bit over 100 yards on the ground, uh, they were able to kind of shut the Texans down in that, that regard. Now, they're still the third-best rushing offensive attack in the NFL. So uh, it's not like they can't re-energize, rejuvenate themselves, and get this going against the Colts, who give up about a little over 130 yards on the ground. You feel like against a 3-4 defense, 
you should be able to run the football against that that type of front. It creates a lot of good blocking angles for the offensive line and the tight ends and such and so on and so forth. So I feel good about their chances to run the football. I think they're going to have to uh, when you factor in the elements into uh, to the game in New York, being outdoors and being a little bit chilly and who knows what else you're going to get. I think there's rain in the forecast. So the running game itself is, is going to be of, a, of an extreme importance. All right. The Cowboys are playing the Colts this week. Who do you got? Yeah. What do you think of this matchup? Who? Uh, this, that's going to be a good football, football game because both teams are playing well right now. Um, that game's in Indianapolis? Yes. Yeah, well, I, I would favor the Colts only for that reason, that it's in Indianapolis, it's on the road, and, uh, and, and defensively they looked last week like they turned the corner with some good young players that, uh, that really looked good on that side of the ball. A healthy Andrew Luck that got somewhat of a running game. Uh, so I, I think they can control the ball, uh, not allow a guy, you know, the, the receivers of Dallas to get over the top of Mari Cooper and, and the likes, and then, and, and then just kind of keep it close and win the game at the end. Uh, when it comes down to a game like that, I'm going to choose Andrew Luck in a close ball game because he's been there a few more times than Dak Prescott. But Dallas is on a roll. That that game really could go either way, but I would favor the Colts in a, in a close one being at home. I was afraid you'd say that. Well, the Giants destroyed whatever was left of Washington last week, and they'll have the Titans at the Meadowlands 24 hours after the Texans play the Jets in that building. So what do you think of Titans-Giants in New York? Uh, the way that the uh, Titans were able to run the football um, – I, I, I kind of like what they what they were able to do. Yeah. Derrick Henry, can he duplicate that? I don't think it'll be quite that number, but it, they'll they will have some success running the football. And uh, the Giants are just kind of playing the spoiler role right now. Uh, not a whole lot to play for. Um, I, I like the Titans going on the road in New York. There, you know, it's cold in Nashville right now, and they've gotten an opportunity to practice outdoors or or this week. So. I kind of like their chances uh, to remain in it and alive and and beating the Giants. All right, I got one more for you. I'm going to make you commissioner of the UIL, and you have (laughs) full power, full absolute power, Dre. I don't want to get you in trouble here, but are there too many weeks of playoffs? Would you rather see a couple more regular season games for all these high school teams and fewer teams in the playoffs, or is it good the way it is where you have to win, what is it, six games to win a championship? I hate the way it is right now. Okay, to be good. Quite honest, I absolutely can't stand it. So you're not going to give me in any trouble there. When I was in high school, if you didn't win your district, you didn't make the playoffs. It was one team that went. I can even see two teams, but when you go four deep, you you saturated it. It's it, it's of no interest to me to see a team win two district games, go two and eight, and then get in the playoffs. I mean, at that point. You're telling me it's about money more so than it is the health and the well-being and the competition of these high school kids. And so I, I can't stand having the big 5A, little 5A, big 6A, little 6A. I can't stand all of that. If you're 5A, you're 5A. If you're 6A, you're 6A. Let's go play. We had 1,275 students in my high school when we were 5A. We were the smallest 5A high school 
in the state of Texas, yet we could go play against anybody, anybody in the state, and feel pretty good about our chances. So don't give me this enrollment here. Uh, This school has more uh, players and a bigger pool to choose from. It might be a bigger pool, but it may not be as good of players as they have somewhere else. So I, I uh, I would scale that thing back. If you made me commissioner of the UIL, I would certainly scale back, make it more competitive, and you certainly wouldn't see the playoffs with with a two game uh, two game season in terms of the winning column. All right, glad I asked. Okay, Trey, <laughs> thanks a lot for being with us, and looking forward to the road trip. Appreciate it, man. In the meantime, I'll see you in New York. That's going to do it for the podcast today, Vandermeer's View. Hey, check out all the other podcasts right here wherever you got this one, or HoustonTexas.com, or wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans.